Welcome to Between the Shelves, the premier Save a Library podcast. And we are continuing our Pride Month celebration this episode by talking about some of our favorite LGBTQ uh, creators of film, movies, and music. This week, I am joined by Christina from Adult Services. Hello. Peter from Adult Services. Hello again. And Marianne, head of teens. Hi. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks. So I decided to have you all back because... You were all in this room already when we started recording. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the only reason. Didn't leave Jeez. afterwards. Also, we got, uh, yeah, the, the fans demanded you back. <laughs> that's what I wanted to hear. Okay. So, again, we're going to be talking about, well, I'm going to be talking about movies exclusively because I am a movie buff. Um, so, we're just going to do this in a round like we did the last episode. I don't mind starting off, um, unless anyone objects. So, <laughs> Marianne, you're, 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 you want to no, jump no in? No Okay. So this next, this first movie I want to talk about, um, or these creators, I should say, um, this isn't like one of my favorite movies of all time or anything, but I feel like it absolutely warrants uh, a mention. Uh, these are the Wachowskis, the creators of The Matrix, that their most famous movie. Um, they're both trans women now, and um, uh, Lily and Lena, I think their names are. Um, so the, when the matrix came out, I mean, I was pretty young, probably 10 or 11, I want to say. So when I watched this movie, it was just a sci-fi action, crazy, awesome movie that I loved. And when I became, you know, when I rewatched it as an older person and I was really more into film, I started digging into it a little bit more. And there are a lot of trans themes in this film. Um, for instance, uh, Neo, the main character, um, he is only referred to as Neo for, by himself and his friends or his allies and the, the system or the bad guys, the agents, the, uh, you know, conformists or whatever you want to call them, refer to him as, um, Mr. Anderson. So they're kind of, I guess this is before like dead naming was a thing, but that's sort of what the Wachowskis were getting at with that. So I thought, I thought that was very interesting. Um, Another like tidbit from it is in the original script, one of uh, Neo's action buddies, I don't know, <laughs> crew of the Nebuchadnezzar, <laughs> uh, their name was Switch. And the character would actually be re uh, male in the real world and female in the Matrix. So that was another um, pretty interesting like plot point that the Wachowskis weaved in where, you know, your gender is, you know, kind of not what you're born with, I guess it's. No, wait, what am I saying? <laughs> Do I have to restart? All right, this podcast episode is canceled. Uh, I think you know what I'm, what I'm trying to say. Yes, we do. Uh, so, yeah, so, I mean, it's a it's a great movie. It definitely stands up. It's a it's still a great action movie. If you don't want to read into it anything more than that, it's still fun to watch. Um, but the Wachowskis, I think, absolutely deserve a mention on this episode, and uh, I wanted, wanted to give a shout-out to the Wachowskis. Okay, so... What I want to talk about um, is a TV show on HBO. Um, it's Los the Spookies. Um, it's a Spanish comedy show um, about these friends who start a business to like stage like hauntings and like cryptid sightings and things to help people solve their problems. Um, and one of the stars of the show is Julio Torres, who used to write on um, SNL. Um, and he just has like the strangest sense of humor. The entire show is 
very strange, but very funny. Um, it's all in Spanish, so I, I have to watch it with subtitles. Um, but just these friends, like, staging different... Like, one of them, I think they have to, like, stage a haunting because um, everyone thinks that um, this beauty queen isn't dead, but the cemetery where she's buried wants to house, like, where she's buried wants to host a haunting of her so people stop with the conspiracies um, and just like hijinks ensue from there. Um, there's also like water demon that lives in one of their heads and they talk to the moon a lot. It's just a very uh, interesting show. I love I, that show. Yeah, I've been meaning to watch it. <laughs> is it like a, a mockumentary style or is it more, it's like actually just straight it's just like a straight straight comedy basically yeah. okay yeah i gotta check that out it's so it yeah. is very weird <laughs> <laughs> okay um my first one is actually music i um been listening to this a lot when i go on my lunchtime walks but uh this classic album uh, actually by the pet shop boys um it's on hoopla uh, along with a bunch of their other albums but um uh marianne at least will remember one of their big hits from that is uh what have i done to deserve this yes. but and also a great plug for hoopla by yes, the way <laughs> thank you um but uh i it's a great album straight through but my favorite um song on it uh pet shop boys also were a band that were it was a time in the 80s where you know the songs weren't overtly about gay themes but they were definitely as they say queer coded and they were uh, gay. So, um, but my favorite song on the album, and I see it as a kind of an anthem for uh, queer people who grew up in religious households like I did, is It's a Sin, which is also on this album, was one of their singles. Um, I wish I could go back in time and be old enough to be in like a gay club somewhere in the <laughs> 80s when this came on, because it probably was amazing. But it also has a lot of really great songs on it um, that weren't singles. Um, and their whole, uh, they've got a lot of great albums. And um, it's not a lot else to say about that, but check it out. I wish I had, a, I could play a clip. I maybe I should have prepared one. Maybe, Alex, you could insert a clip of <laughs> It's a Sin by the Pet Shop Boys. Let's pause for that clip right now. Yeah. <laughs> Shop Boy is awesome. Yeah, I totally remember. Peter and I giving our ages away. But uh, yeah, they were really great in the 80s. Um, so the first thing I'm going to talk about is Heartstopper because I spoke about the book series in um, last week's episode. Um, so Heartstopper is on Netflix and um, right now only season one is out, but season two is coming out in August and I can't wait for it. Um, 
it is based on the uh, graphic novels that I spoke about uh, last week. And I think that they did an amazing job um, with the casting for the series. Like, And I know the author, Alice Osman, I think is how you pronounce her last name. Um, she is a part of the series, so she had a lot of say in it. Um, the character, the main characters, Charlie and Nick, are just adorable and perfect. They're just perfect exactly how her illustrations were in the graphic novels. And um, it, the graphic novels, I think, are literally just brought to life in the series. Um, again, just like the books, it's just a very sweet, it's very heartwarming. You're just really rooting for them. And um, it's just really, really done well. Um, their acting is really great. Um, all the kids, again, really diverse cast. Um, and even if you haven't read the books, I think you should definitely give it a watch. They're short. I think they're only like 30-ish minutes each episode. And again, just like I said um, with the books, like you just feel like you feel like you're just witnessing first love all over again. And like you just like, you know, you're rooting for them, you feel for them. And um, it's just really great series. All right, so I got another movie here. All of my things are movies. So my next one is called, uh, the, the title of the film is called Portrait of a Lady on Fire, and it's directed and I think also written by Celine Siyama, I think is how you pronounce her name. Um, this movie came out in 2019, and I think it's French. I think it's a French film, if I remember correctly. Um, it was my second favorite movie that came out in 2019. It was only beaten by Parasite, and that's only because Parasite's the best movie of the decade. So, uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, five-star movie. Highly, highly recommend this. Um, it's set in the 18th century, and it's the story of a portrait artist named Marianne, who is hired by a countess to paint her daughter, uh, whose name is Heloise. Um, and her daughter is obstinate. She does not want her portrait painted because she knows her mother is going to use it to send out to all the counts, I guess, or the royalty in France to try to, you know, get her, her daughter married, basically, to find suitors for her, for her daughter. Um, so, uh, so basically, Heloise has chased off all the other portrait artists, and the countess knows this, so what she's done is hired Marianne to be um, uh, Heloise's sort of aid servant or something and then um marianne is supposed to basically be painting this portrait in secretly um so that's kind of like the opening premise of the movie but the most of the movie is uh marianne the relationship between marianne and heloise and i mean it should be pretty obvious at this point heloise is obviously gay She's a lesbian. Marianne turns out also a lesbian. So when you put them together in a beautiful castle in the French countryside, isolated, what's going to happen? So it's about their blossoming relationship. And so it deals, obviously that is a large theme of the movie, but it also deals with mental health. Heloise is grappling with other things um, in her life. So it's a fascinating drama uh, it's a great romance film. It's beautifully shot, beautifully written. I can't recommend it highly enough. Uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Celine Siama is the director and writer, and I think she has, if not a sequel, like a spiritual sequel 
planned that might even be coming out in 2023 very soon. So I'm looking forward to, to that as well. Um, I'm sort of going to recommend an entire streaming service. Um, so, <laughs> is that allowed? Let me see how much time <laughs> So, um, the streaming service is Dropout, which if you've listened to episodes that I've been on before, I've talked about. Um, so it is what college humor became after college humor uh, went bankrupt. And they do um, a wide range of shows. Um, they do uh, an actual play D&D show. They do um, a couple of game shows. Um, and uh, all of the, not most of the creators that are involved are, uh, there are queer comedians, just different queer content creators. Um, a lot of the same ones go between episodes. Um, there is a nerdy trivia show on there. Uh, but I think the best one is Game Changer, which is a game show where the game changes every game and the contestants don't know what the game is going to be. Um, and in this most recent season, they did a Bachelor type episode um, for one of their regular employees, Grant O'Brien, who identifies as bi. So they got 10 um, or 12 men and women to come do this like show for them. The episodes are only like a half hour long, but I assume that they are much longer shooting. Uh, but they did like very quick, like 30 second dates. Um, and it was just like a very cool take on a like a queer dating show, which there aren't too many of um, out there. But um, Grant is in most of their content along with a bunch of other um queer content creators and they're a very supportive company and it's really great to uh watch all the time very funny i've seen the dnd show at my friend's house <laughs> <laughs> all right it's my turn again i'm gonna do another music um, recommendation um this time it's a band uh, magnetic fields um Main guy, Stephen Merritt, it's a gay man. Um, and uh, some of their later albums are on Hoopla. I checked and not, my favorite ones are their earlier ones that don't happen to be on there, but the late ones are good too. But uh, I think the best way to describe Magnetic Fields, at least their early albums, is like um, synth pop Cole Porter. They have, uh, the, the lyrics are just really clever and witty. And there's just like, Stephen Merritt's like a genius with a turn of phrase and um, my favorite of their albums is called Get Lost. It's the most synth pop of all of their albums, but all of their albums are really good. Later in their career, they kind of went to more acoustic um, uh, instruments, banjo and everything. And uh, their album 69 Love Songs, which was like a three CD set, is um, the year it came out, which I don't remember the year, is a really big. It was on top of a lot of best of lists, but just to give you a kind of an example of it's particularly because it's synth pop a lot of the earlier albums have sort of a morose lyrics too even though but like one of my favorite lyrics of theirs uh, from their song hundred thousand fireflies is you won't be happy with me but give me one more chance you won't be happy anyway
second magnetic fields. Every time I talk to Peter, I have to like write a note to myself of like a band I haven't listened to in a while, and I have to add them to my uh, to my playlist. So the song that popped in my head was uh, "Strange Powers" by mm-hmm. Magnetic Fields, which I think was a documentary. I think there was a documentary about the magnetic fields, and that's how I discovered them. Oh, it was yeah. like a weird route to me discovering them as well. They've but. done some soundtracks to movies too, yeah, so you might that. might be what. And maybe yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a way you would have. I, I second the magnetic fields them. though. <laughs> All right, Marion. Um, so you guys have all like such great, you know, things that you're discussing, and I'm gonna go with something that's very mainstream. Uh, I'm gonna talk about Schitt's Creek because that's one of my favorite shows, and um, I have watched it like eight times the whole series. I think it is just one of the best shows out there. There's short episodes. Has everybody here seen Schitt's Creek? We're all yes. Schitt's Creek people. Okay. Um, I just love the story of David and Patrick. I think they just have like. It's just like one of the sweetest relationships that were ever put on TV that we could watch. Um, it's very sweet. It's very innocent. Um, I love that, you know, Patrick comes out later on in his life. And one of the lines he says to David was, you know, about their first kiss that, you know, um, it felt like my first time. You know, his, it felt like my first kiss. And he was with a girl before that. So it, it was just like, you know, when you meet the right person, you meet the right person. And I love how um, Dan Levy, who created the show, uh, wanted to make a show where, you know, being queer was just, it wasn't a big deal. It was just, you know, um, you know, here we are, we're kissing hello, we're kissing goodbye. Like, you don't have to make a big deal of it. There's no drama. There's nobody fighting us. Like, we're just a relationship in a show. Um, and I think they did a really great job with it. Um, uh, there's not a day that goes by that I don't think of a quote or say a quote from the show, um, see a meme, use a, a GIF, um, to send to somebody. I mean, I feel like it's just in my, it's in my everyday life. Um, and if somebody hasn't seen it, I know there's some people out there that were like, oh, I just couldn't get into the first episode. I think you have to give the whole first season a try. It's really, really good. It's really, really heartwarming. And um, all the characters evolve. And it's um, you feel like you're growing with them. Yeah. Great uh, comfort show. I can see why you rewatch yes. it. It just makes you feel good to it watch does. it. It does. It is one of the I, uh, co-sign the give it a chance. Because like, like a lot of shows, the first season you're kind of finding what it's the show its is footing. so yeah. be patient with it it's worth it it is worth it yeah <laughs> all right time for dusty alex to pull another one off the shelf so uh so if there's a theme i guess with my i was looking at this from more like the creator i mean perspective so i'm, I'm highlighting some of my favorite directors um so there's another film uh this director's name is yasuhiro ozo and the film is called tokyo story so this is one of my favorite films of all time. I, uh, I have a top 100 movies, my personal top 100 movies of all time list that I regularly update every six months or so. And this one's been on it probably since I saw it and remains there. Um, it was made in 1953, and it is the story of an elderly couple visiting their children in, in, and their widowed daughter in Tokyo. Um, and it's set right after World War II. And... It's not a plot-heavy movie. It, it's very focused on the relation on relationships, particularly like generational relationships. So the the grandparents are you know obviously from a a time before 
the westernization of, of Japan. That's what they're seeing. All the young people are flocking to the city. Everyone's uh, very, um, you know, busy, independent. Uh, they're not spending time with their families, things like that. So you're kind of watching the movie from the grandparents' perspective and how really all they want is to just spend time with their children, but their children are so busy with their, you know, the hustle and bustle of modern Japan and they keep kind of like pushing aside the their their parents um and you know it's a very it's a very slow paced film because it's all from the perspective again of the grandparents so there's lots of um very it's very like meditative and reflective there's lots of shots of, of nature to do like the scene transitions and things um the, the camera is very static it holds on on silence um but it's revolutionary for for direct for its directing techniques and it's just a wonderful story and it's one of those like timeless stories where you can watch this a hundred years from now or you could watch it when it came out and it really kind of tells you like what human nature is about what's really important and um it's just a fantastic story it's um yeah if it was a book it would have been it would be regaled as like a classic literature book that everyone would read but i really really recommend it and um if you're looking for something really plot heavy or with a lot of i don't know fast things that are moving around it's not for you unfortunately but the dialogue the character development everything is really really great i very very much recommend that movie that's what i got one. sorry <laughs> don't be sorry it sounds I'm kind of like uh, i'm like the speed bump in this episode like everyone's like got these great sci-fi comedy shows and i'm like well let me tell you about <laughs> um so my next one is uh what we do in the shadows the tv show uh, which is based off of the movie um by taika watiti so um it is about um, a bunch of vampire roommates who live in Staten Island, sort of trying to adjust to modern life very poorly. Um, and um, also one of them has a familiar, Guillermo, who um, is also a vampire slayer. Um, and there is, uh, he is, at the beginning of the series sort of promised that uh, Nandor will make him a vampire. Um, so his growth over the show is trying to become a vampire, but also he has like a kind of a slow burn romance with Nandor. Um, most of the characters are just love very freely all throughout the show. I don't know how to say that politically correct. <laughs> Um, it's very funny. They, you know, at one point they get like an email, you know, like one of those old, like, um, if you don't pass this along, you'll be cursed for like, you know, 10 years or whatever. And, you know, they're all vampires. They're like, oh no, this is real. How do we, we have to send this to 10 people, but we don't know 10 people. And like, just all of like the, um, hijinks that come from being someone who is hundreds of years old living in the modern world. Love that show. Good yeah, one, Christina. I, it's one of the funniest <laughs> shows on TV. Matt Berry plays one of the vampires. He is one of the funniest people on the planet. I will watch anything with him. Jackie Daytona. Yeah. <laughs> Human Clark Penter. <laughs> 
Did you watch uh, Our Flag is Death, too? Our, yes, uh, Our Flag means death, yeah. Or means death, yeah. Yes. Another good one. I thought you, that was going to be your fourth thing. I mean, I like the show, but I was sitting here like, maybe I should talk about it. But then I couldn't remember the main character's name. So I was like, maybe I don't actually like it that much. So. <laughs> I don't That's remember like the character's really... names from anything I watch. So. Taika Waititi plays Blackbeard. Like, yes. Yeah. And the other one is like, the gentleman. And pirate. the protagonist. <laughs> Whatever. It's Reese the guy Harvey. from the What We Do in the Shadows movie. Yeah. <laughs> Great show. All right. Uh, my next one is a TV show also. It's um, Somebody Somewhere. It's on um, HBO. Um, or Max, I guess it is now. There's no more HBO. Um, but it's a um, story of a, uh, a woman. It's played by Bridget Everett. She's kind of a comedian um, known for like doing kind of ribald song comedy songs which i don't really care for that much as a comedian honestly but the show is amazing it's it, it is funny but it's uh it's one of those they consider it a comedy because it's half an hour and it does have comic elements but it's a lot more than that it's you know she moves back to kansas uh just on my last episode a book about somebody moving back to kansas but her uh sister is dying of cancer and but the show, show starts after she has her sister, who she was close to, has just died. She's living in her house, and she's just treading water and really sad. And she has this dead-end job um, correcting, like, uh, standardized tests. And um, one of her first days at the place, she uh, there's a, another guy that's working there, um, says oh hey do you, do you remember me basically from high school and she doesn't remember him but he remembers her and um they just kick off a really beautiful friendship and it's a, a good a really good example of you know the a lot of gay men have a like a straight female best friend and that's kind of what their story is and um it's the story of her kind of coming to terms with the loss of her sister and there's some uh, other things going on with her family her mom's an alcoholic and they're during dealing with all that stuff and uh you know their friendships blossoming and it's just a delight to watch and all it can also be really sad but uh it you know I just really highly recommend it. There's uh, very diverse characters. There's a um, trans farmer who, um, and it kind of like Schitt's Creek. It, it's kind of a, it's not, they don't treat it like, it, it's a big part of the show, but it. Um, it's not like a plot point. It's not a plot point. And it's like, a, a, you meet this, uh, he's a professor at the local college, a professor of agriculture and the main character's dad, who is a farmer is having problems and um he comes to help him with the farm and that this old like you know 60 70 year old farmer from kansas is now best friends with a trans man you know and it's just a, a really fascinating show and um it's on its third season now <laughs> and uh, i recommend it somebody somewhere on max um, the other show I wanted to talk about is The Connors. Um, I love The Connors. Uh, I grew up loving Roseanne. I thought it was such a great show. It's so realistic. Then The Connors came, you know, back. And of course, I have to watch it. Um, I think it's still really, really funny. Um, and 
Darlene, who is one of the kids in Roseanne. She has a family now. So her son, Mark, on the show, when the show begins, when the Connors starts, he's a young boy. And he, you know, is kind of questioning himself at a young age. Um, and now I think we're five years into the Connors being around four or five and so you know he's a teenager now but he's already come out as gay and his family is very accepting and i just love that there is a tv show on a major network that has a young gay character who um dates so you know we meet some boyfriends during the series um and Something else about this show that I love is that Darlene ended up working at the factory that they all worked at in Roseanne when they were, um, when Roseanne and Jackie and, all, I, wait, what is it called? I forgot the name of it. Wellman. Wellman, Wellman <coughs> factory or something. Yeah. I love Roseanne. Yeah, see? Okay, good. So, um, uh, Dar, one of Darlene's bosses is, she's a trans woman. And um, they become kind of friendly and, you know, she gives her some advice. She gives Darlene advice and then um, she leaves the show. And, you know, on, on the show, they make it um, kind of because she's trans. She has to leave, I think. I don't remember, like, the exact reasoning um, because they started... Uh, they were like whistleblowers. Whistleblowers. Yeah, okay. For environmental pollution in the factory. Yeah, and she had to leave the sh- so she leaves. Um, but so now my side note is that I follow her on TikTok, and she's a really good um, TikTok person to follow. Um, and her name is Alexandra Billings, and her whole TikTok is just how to be uh, be a kind human, you know. And she talks about all the um, things that are going on in the world. She doesn't really get angry. She's, she, she's fired up, but she doesn't, you know, she doesn't really show it. And she's just like a kind, gentle soul that just wants everybody to be a good human. And I think she's just a really great person to follow. She's calming, um, very informative. Um, yeah, that's it. I feel like I have to mention now again that, um, I know Roseanne's mom. I, and we talked about this, <laughs> and I knew you were Anthony always told me you always bring that up, yeah, but I just yeah. have to. Anthony, if you're listening, you're correct, because the last time I was in a podcast. He's not listening. With, <laughs> Trust me. brought it up. Yeah. <laughs> All right, my last movie. So, last week, uh, as of the time of this recording, I was, uh, very sick. And I was couch-ridden for two days. So what I do when I'm couch-ridden as a movie buff is I start watching movies. So one thing I've always wanted to do uh, was watch every single movie that is a Best Picture winner. So I figured what better time than when I physically cannot move than to watch some silent films. (laughs) So I went back to 1927 to start watching the Best Picture winners. So... The movie I want to talk about is called Sunrise, A Song of Two Humans. It won the first and only Best Unique and Artistic Picture at the first Academy Awards in 1927. <laughs> what? You mean you haven't heard of Sunrise, A, a Tale of Two Humans? Or A Song of Two Humans? Uh, it turns out the director, F.W. Murnau, was gay. Uh, his husband actually died in World War One. So that's a little tidbit. So... This movie was fantastic. It's of all I've watched probably five or six now. I've started obviously with the first Academy Awards and I'm working my way to the current day. Uh, so there have been some movies that are unforgettable. I would say this is one of them. There have been some movies that I wish I could forget, <laughs> but 
this one, it's a silent film, as I said, um, and it, it's a, I would classify it as a romantic thriller. So the plot is, it takes place um, on the countryside as a farmer and a wife, and they, and they have a small child, and this woman from the city comes to vacation in the countryside, and she becomes infatuated with this farmer. The farmer and this the city woman uh, have a little affair, and the uh, this the woman from the city tries to convince the farmer to murder his wife and run away with them, run away with her to the city. So. She basically convinces him to do this, and as he's about to murder his wife, um, he has a change of heart, and he he sees his wife in a new light, and he re-falls in love with her. So that's kind of like the first third of the movie. It's like a straight thriller. It's riveting. Uh, and then the second third of the movie is, obviously, his wife knows she's about to be murdered by her husband. Uh, then the husband decides not to do that, so it's about the husband trying to woo his wife again, basically, and and try to not only convince her that he's not a crazed crazy person anymore, uh, but he tries to you know show her why they fell in love in the first place. So it becomes a straight romance for the second third. It's fantastic. Uh, I'm not really spoiling anything, but they they go to the city. There's some fantastic sets, great scenes, especially for 1927. It's like amazing what they accomplished in 1927 um so that's all great right now the final third of the movie they go back to the countryside and who's waiting for them there the woman from the city still and she is still convinced that this wife needs to die so basically i'm not gonna i don't want to spoil anything at that point but it has a very dramatic conclusion uh and this movie for being almost a hundred years old like had me riveted like i was hanging on to there are very few words because it's a silent film, <laughs> you know, the title flashcards or whatever they called them. Um, but I was riveted. It's a great, great movie. Definitely recommend it. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to some more Oscar. Where did you watch that? Yeah. <laughs> um, where did I watch it? I, I don't remember. I'm sorry. <laughs> In a projector at home? Yeah. yeah. Google it, listeners. <laughs> uh, it's, you get it from the library. I'm sure we have it on DVD. Um, yeah, Sunrise, A Song of Two Humans. Okay. I guess my final show um, is Steven Universe, um, which is a cartoon um, that's for children that aired probably in like the early to mid-2010s. Um, and it's about um, these alien gems come to Earth to colonize it. Um, but the person in charge of the colonizing uh, basically falls in love with the earth. Um, and so she was like, actually, we shouldn't do that. And they sort of go like rogue. Um, and in that time, she also falls in love with the human. And they have a baby who is Steven Universe. Um, but um, unfortunately, his mother dies, who is the, uh, the alien. Um, and he lives with sort of like her retinue, I guess, and um, her and his dad. And it's just about him sort of being like half gem alien and learning to use his powers. Um, there's lots of music in it. Um, there are a lot of different queer characters in it. A lot of the gems um, 
are queer in different ways um, and it's just like a kind of lighthearted show for the most part. Um, it does get very dark um, and there is like a sequel series where um, it deals with like um, the aftermath of uh, like really traumatic events and stuff um, but also very musical and it's very cute and it is like a, it's like a children's cartoon so like um, it's very for the most part light-hearted easy easy to watch the episodes are like 11 minutes long like it's like one of those like little ones and they live in like a beach town and, and like it's just very cute and wholesome to watch um, my uh, last one is a film, Paris is Burning, a documentary film. Um, it was directed by Jenny Livingston, and it's a documentary about um, the uh, scene in the Bronx in the 80s. Um, they were called Balls, but it's basically where um, pretty much everything that's in modern drag today comes from. Um, and uh, basically, so... The, I, what they would do is, you know, there weren't places for them to do this. So they would rent out like halls in the Bronx and they would have balls. And usually there would be a theme like um, executive realness. And they were supposed to dress as, um, you know, in uh, like a executive attire. Executive attire. Yeah. And so different themes like that. And like all of the like the, sa the same moves you see drag uh, artists do today are from these balls and a lot of the slang comes from these balls and uh, it was in the Bronx so it was you know mostly um, black and Latino people and gay and trans people and uh, so it goes through it it shows you balls and they, they have these different uh, families that would kind of compete with each other so there would be the mother and their their children would be one group that would compete against the other groups and it follows the li the lives the daily lives of uh, a few of the people and it's um can be really sad but it's fascinating some of the you know living on the street and um a lot of the people one of the main drag mothers ends up like taking a lot of the people into her home and you know help helping them get off drugs and everything but so some of the the stories are a little more <laughs> positive and some of them are are sad but it's it's just a, a really great document um of a time that that became so significant a few of the people who are in it were in the vogue video by madonna um that was where the the moves they do those were from the balls in uh in the bronx so I really highly recommend it. It's a, a fascinating documentary. Yeah, I second that. It is a great documentary. It's a fascinating look at like a, a micro culture, I guess, yeah. at that time and place. That it's really fascinating. And they were I'm trying to think of some of the other themes they were doing. I remember one of them is like was try to like act as straight as possible. Yeah, like that was really interesting. <laughs> that was an interesting one. And then uh, the insult. What, what do they call it? Where they reading. Reading, yeah. yeah. Oh my god, I was. Yeah. <laughs> it's really funny. Like, it, I don't know. It, it's a great documentary, though. Yeah. So the last thing I wanted to talk about was another TV show, and I wanted to talk to Peter about it because the last time we were together, we talked about Ted Lasso. Did you finish Ted Lasso? Yes. So, um, in Ted Lasso, one of the main characters comes out as gay, 
And the last time Peter and I actually even spoke about it, yeah, he had brought it up that, you know, I think they're going to, one of the characters is, is going to have a storyline like that. So it finally came out. Um, the show, the series ended. At least I think the series is ending. Um, but the season definitely ended. And um, this one character he did, he struggled a bit. He was um, hiding that he um, had boyfriends. And then somebody on with the team, not on the team, but uh, an older gentleman who's uh, writing a book about Ted Lasso's team, uh, about the soccer team, um, sees him with another man. And so he knows, he eventually kind of confronts him, and then it comes out that that this gentleman is also gay. And um, he's a very supportive person to the um, football player. His name is Colin Hughes on the show. Um, he's very supportive of him. And, um, and then eventually it comes out altogether, um, that he's gay during another episode, uh, the whole team kind of finds out and they embrace him and it's beautiful, you know, and he, one of his friends struggles with it, but not because he's gay. He struggles with like, uh, you know, how come you didn't tell me? And, um, it, it all, it ends like so wonderful and, you know, this character Colin is kind of like, I just, I want to, you know, when we have a win and everybody celebrates with their partner, like, I just, I want to kiss my boyfriend. And on the final, final episode where, um, they win, the whole team wins and, um, you know, everybody's rushing out, like partners are rushing out and, you know, um, kissing the, the soccer players and Colin is like looking out and, my heart like broke for a second and I was just like, oh, he just, he just wants to. And then his boyfriend comes out and he gives him a kiss in front of like the whole stadium. And it's just like a really beautiful ending. I, I was going to say too, that, um, that part you mentioned with the, the friend that has a hard time and is mm -hmm. being mean to him. I, I think a lot of queer people probably relate to that. Cause it's like, you'll certain people, usually somebody that you're close to will, kind of make it about them yeah. <laughs> that you know they'll they're mad that you didn't tell them sooner or whatever but it, I, I i found it infuriating to watch but also kind of identified with how yeah. you know sometimes it, when you're going through something and you know that's difficult people i i had people that reacted kind of like that mm -hmm. so that was interesting to see yeah i think probably for the first time on a tv show yeah. at least that i've seen that's a good point because yeah i i, I I didn't think of it that way. And yeah, like he did, he made it all about him and he was being so mean. He was being, he was being really mean about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it works out in the end and it's all a happy ending. And it was just, uh, the way they played it out. I just thought it, it played out really, really well throughout the, um, nine or 10, 10 episodes this season. It played out really well. And, um, it's another feel good. That's it. Yeah, it's a nice note to end the episode on. Yeah. Yeah, good. I'm glad we didn't end it with my movie. <laughs> yeah, another, another silent movie. <laughs> well, thank you all again for joining me on this episode. Uh, listeners, next episode, we're going to be uh, doing an episode uh, to launch our summer reading club. So stay tuned for that for some summer reading recommendations. Yeah. All right. Thanks for, awesome. for coming. Thank you. Thanks, Alex. Thanks, Alex. Bye. Bye.